Welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim and Sergey, and this is a podcast where we tell stories about ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And the reason we do this show is we want to make entrepreneurship and the idea of creating something out of nothing more accessible and seem more achievable to people. And so we find stories of incredible founders that were able to start businesses and get them to far heights, even though it seems like they should not have succeeded because they maybe didn't have the experience, they didn't have the network, uh, and they didn't have certain advantages that other entrepreneurs have. And um, this next few episodes are actually a little bit different than usual because we had a chance to attend the Consumer Discovery Show by FounderMade. And so the next few episodes are recorded live at the show uh, with some great consumer goods entrepreneurs. And that's how we were able to bring you the amazing episode with Julie Smolensky of Lifeway and, of course, Matt Bachman of Wandering Bear Coffee. So we have a few more awesome stories of entrepreneurs that reached amazing successes even though it seems like they shouldn't have simply because of the odds that they faced along the way and so we hope you enjoy the show there's certainly a lot of excitement around uh, being at a trade show and we had a lot of fun doing it especially as media partners we got to try uh, all the free goodies and get free samples and even got a cookie made with our faces on it uh, that we then demolished very quickly so enjoy the show hopefully this inspires you to start your own company to get your creation into the world and now the mentors at the consumer discovery show welcome back to the mentors today we're at the consumer discovery show in new york city where there's a bunch of cool entrepreneurs and brands showing off their consumer products now with us we have adam jones of peloton which now makes tea as well as cold brew coffee, right? Peloton Cascara Tea. Don't confuse us with the bike, but we do own the trademark for the Peloton name. Oh. We started with uh, cold brew coffee three years ago, my brother and I, in our parents' kitchen. And I will tell you that story in a minute. All right. So, yes, actually, that's exactly where I want to start because I love the stories where things happen in a kitchen or in a, in a backyard or in a you know uh, downstairs boarded-up bedroom. So... Tell me um, how you got started, or even before we talk about how, why did you decide to start a beverage business? Did you have any experience at all in making beverages or selling food, making food? How how did that come about? So I was actually living in Brooklyn, New York at the time, and uh, no, I had no background in the food or beverage industry at all. I was doing photography, and I drank a lot of Red Bull. I wasn't a coffee drinker. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really that healthy at that time. I skateboarded, drank a lot of Red Bull, and uh, could get away with eating and drinking unhealthy. Over time, I decided to get more into health, and I stopped drinking Red Bull, and I wanted to look for something that gave me energy when I was up late night uh, editing photos, retouching photos, and uh, I found a Stumptown Cold Brew. And I was like, man, this is pretty good. I could actually drink this. So I went home and I started researching Stumptown Cold Brew or Cold Brew Coffee in general. And I realized I could make it in my kitchen at home. And I'm like, all right, all I need is a French press. My roommates were real into coffee. So I used their French press and I started creating cold brew coffee. Over time, my roommates were like gone nuts. Like, dude, this is the best cold brew coffee we've ever had. You need to sell this. You need to start a company. I knew nothing about the beverage industry. I didn't want to get into it. 
And uh, eventually, my one roommate offered me money, and I'm like, oh, shit, maybe I got something. He goes, sorry, can I curse? Oh, yeah. You yeah, can, you yeah, can yeah, curse. yeah. So he offered you money like a, to, to buy the product or investment capital? He wanted to invest and start a company with me. Like, he wanted to start the company. And I was like, man, I must really have something here. So I called my brother up, who was living back in Westchester, PA, where we're from. And I said, hey, I got this idea, this cold brew coffee. And he goes, what the hell's cold brew coffee, dude? <laughs> And at that time, there was Chameleon on the shelf, which was like a um, concentrate, and Stumptown ready to drink. There really wasn't anything else on the shelf. So talked him into it. I moved home. We literally, we started the company. We were brewing our first batch on our parents' deck. We, uh, we scraped the labels off of old Blue Moon bottles, repackaged in the Blue Moon bottles, and went around and hustled the streets of Westchester where we live. That first day, we sold into like 26 accounts, and we're like, damn we really do have something like we got to cruise with this so well, we start, what were those accounts how did you oh uh, they were local them? mom and pop stores so westchester's a college town so there's a lot of bars restaurants mom and pop stores um and places like that so we sold into a bunch of those uh bakeries how did you close the deals right away that day how did that work we literally just went in and we're like hey we just developed this new product we're local from westchester dave and i two brothers most of the people knew us because i used to be the head photographer for a magazine in westchester called the wc press Mm -hmm. so a lot of the companies already knew us we said hey look you know why don't you just give it a try for the companies that were on edge and didn't want to take it we said we'll give you the case for free pay us if it sells we did whatever we could do to get it in the door. Um, now, we weren't selling the actual Blue Moon bottles. We were, we were using those as samples. And then we, you know, we obviously ordered bottles and sold the actual real cases. Um, but, yeah, we were brewing it. And my, our wives, who were our girlfriends at the time, were hand bottling. Our mom was helping clean and stuff. Like, it was just it was a wild ride. Within that first month, we sold our cold brew coffee into our first Whole Foods, Glen Mills Whole Foods. Um, the dude that worked there, the dairy buyer, he had a Thrasher shirt on when I went in to meet with him. I grew up skateboarding, like I said, so we talked skating for an hour. At the end of the meeting, I'm like, yo, Mike, thanks so much. Great meeting you. Shook his hand. He's like, dude, wait, let me try your product. <laughs> totally forgot to even let him try it. Um, he tried it. He's like, I'm going to send you the paperwork. We want to bring you in. That was like the start. Dave and I had no money, though. We were using every penny in our back pocket. We were using our savings and stuff. So we were grinding real hard. We were doing all of our own distribution. When we got into that first Whole Foods, we found out that you can ride to all the Whole Foods and get in one by one, which you can't really do anymore because of the Amazon deal, but back then you could. Um, So we went to every single Whole Foods within driving distance, and we sold into 26, 27, probably like 27 or 28 of the 60 Mid-Atlantic region Whole Foods. Um, just by meeting with the dairy buyers. So the now, buyers are right there in the store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times, too, like if you go up to the front desk, a little note for anybody starting, like they'll be like, oh, no, the dairy buyer is not in. Like You can't meet them. Walk around the store and find an employee and be like, hey, is the dairy buyer in? And if you can find his name, even better, because you can say, hey, is so-and-so in? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's right over there working. Like They're always in there. Um, so we would just have product with us, and we'd just give them bottles and give them sales sheets and and we just hustled like that, and we got into a ton, and we were doing all our own distribution. Like I said, we put sixty thousand miles each on our cars in that first year. No. I have some gnarly stories of like 
the receivers when we would deliver our product being like, yo, this stuff's too co- uh, not cold enough. We're not taking it in. And we'd be like, oh, dude, the, like our truck broke down on the way. Like, sorry. Like, take it in this time. We got you next time. So they'd take it in next time. Hey, we're coming out and like looking at your truck because this isn't cold again. Oh, actually, we parked like a block away because we were delivering in our car. We didn't have a truck. <laughs> um, and that's, that's how we did it. And, you know, then cold brew hit. And it hit hard and people with money just blew it out of the roof and dave and i were stuck with one skew on the shelf um and we're like damn like you know we can keep hustling this one skew or we can innovate try to come up with something different and raise some capital um that's when we found out about cascara cascara is the discarded fruit of coffee so coffee grows on a tree and it looks like a um a cranberry Inside of that skin is your coffee bean, which is your bean or your seed or whatever. The outside is the fruit. They would discard it, throw it into the farm. It would create bacteria, fester, destroy coffee crop. It was really horrible for the environment. We found out about it and found that we could fly to Honduras, source it directly from the farmers. So that's what we did. We went to Honduras. We got a direct source of it, provided sustainability to the farms, and now we're hustling the cascara. Well, but even that alone, so you're flying to Honduras. Did you have somebody to kind of guide you through the process? Yeah, yeah. We went along with an importer um, that kind of knew the area that we knew imported uh, coffee from Honduras. And to take a step back, you know, even making the decision to stop doing photography, which I'm sure paid the bills, and you, you, you said that you were um, a photographer for a magazine, right? Yep. So clearly we're pretty established in that space. To drop all that, decide to move home and partner with the brother to do essentially a food business where you had no experience doing that. How did you get mentally past the uh, point of saying, you know what, I don't care, I'm going to take the risk? Honestly, so dropping the editorial photography was tough. I still am doing some of it from time to time because it's very flexible and I'm a freelancer. Um, But I was doing a lot of editorial in New York and I was not doing a lot of weddings. And um, so when I finally decided, one, it was easy, to be honest, to move out of New York because my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, lived home. So that was like, I was like, "Ah, I get to go home to her. Like, I'm out of here. And I didn't really like New York that much. But it was, yeah, like I literally was like on that cusp. I was starting to photograph celebrities and I was like about to break into that higher end photography world that I always wanted. Like it was like my passion, my dream. And it's like, so it was tough and I almost feel like I quit it in a way. But at the same time, like getting into this, getting into business with my brother and having an opportunity to to grow and be so much bigger than I ever could have been in photography and not just money wise, but like in my reach the way that i can affect the world and the way that i can help others it's like so rad to me and i guess that like keeps me just grinding and know that like there's nothing i'd rather do well it sounds like that's been the draw i mean yeah clearly you did well in photography and and it sounds like you were uh gonna do even better there but here you probably immediately felt that you had more of an impact and once you saw the opportunity with uh cascara and the fact that there's so much waste and now you can actually help impact the environment i'm sure that that created uh, a more more solidity around this sort of new passion that you discovered around this business yeah dude it really did like so i was so passionate about coffee it's so funny because i hated coffee and then once i found out about the cold brew and i started really getting into it i got real passionate about coffee i got passionate about tequila bourbon cigars like everything that had tasting notes i just was like getting really into it um but 
the passion for that was so different than this. Like the cascara, I'm so stoked on the taste. It's amazing. The health benefits are amazing. But I always say that like, to me at least, the most amazing part is the sustainability aspects. The fact that these farms just discarded this and it was waste and that, you know, it was so bad for the farms and could kill acres worth of co coffee crop. And by us buying it and providing the sustainability is so rad. But the coolest thing too is like, it's putting so much extra money into the farmer's pockets and the families. And like, you know, after going over there and seeing these people and meeting them and like, dude, they're just like the happiest, like most stoked on life people in the world. And it's like, it's a pretty wild trip. Cause then you come home and you have everything and you're like bummed out about something so stupid. So it really has just made me so much more passionate about this whole industry to see that we can do that. And to know like, when we make it and when we're like, you know, cause I got high hopes and I definitely think we're gonna make it and sell one day that I'll be able to impact so many people just like those farmers and it's so rad. That's very cool. Uh, the fact that your product not only brings value to the customer but actually the whole production cycle, the whole supply chain brings value to people that you're getting the product from too, which is awesome. Um, which both ends, that usually doesn't happen in most companies. Uh, so. What's next for this Cascara product? How are you hustling it now? How are you going to get it into shelves? What's been top of mind for you sort of uh, as you figure this new product out? So with the Cascara, man, we got really lucky and we did have an investor come in, a couple investors. They were super stoked about the antioxidants, the health benefits, the nootropic benefits. Uh, how did they find you or how did you find them? So funny story, my dad's an interior designer and decorator and they were two doctors that he did their houses and he, my dad always is hustling us and talking about us because he's just super proud of us. So he told them about us and uh, they came and met with us and it was like right in the developmental stages of this cascara and they were just so excited about the health benefits and the fact that we were getting our own supply chain of it and the and the sustainability aspects and it was pretty cool dude they were like how much do you guys need and uh what did you, how did you know what to answer and what did you answer honestly i didn't my brother did thank god my brother's the money guy and i'm more like the creative and uh just like marketing guy um but yeah he he knew what to answer and next thing you know they they are investing in us can you disclose how much they invested at all um yeah i mean each each doctor invested two hundred and fifty thousand, and then we had uh some other people that invested some money as well so yeah we finished a family and friends round with a good amount and we're actually opening up a seed round right now to keep on continuing uh raising money because i mean as sure as you guys know the beverage industry you need money to to keep on cruising yeah but back to your question mm -hmm. The way we're hustling now because of that investment is way smarter. Where uh, before, like we said, we were on the street grinding door to door. Now we're flying from place to place, grinding distributor to distributor, retail to retail chain, rather than mom and pop door to door. Are you flying with meetings already scheduled? Or with you just meetings, going door -door? yeah. A lot of the meetings are already scheduled. We hired a sales team, Cascadia Managing Brands. It's crushing it for us right now. As long as, uh, as well as Epic and Wildfire, which are, dude, like they're just doing such an amazing job. Couldn't be happier. It's an outsourced sales team that specializes Outsour in this kind yeah, of stuff. Exactly, exactly. Um, and they're lining up meetings. Like, dude, we're flying to uh, Walmart, uh, Arkansas tomorrow morning. We have a meeting Wednesday with Walmart. 
then straight from Arkansas, we're flying to Portland, Oregon, and have a meeting out in Portland, Oregon with Columbia Distribution, which is one of the largest West Coast uh, DSDs. We were up in Boston last week, then New York. We're back in New York, so like we're all over the place. But it's been so cool. It's it's been a journey for sure, and uh, it's rad to do it with my brother. Wow, that's incredible. You know, we're excited about brother teams, sibling teams in general. Yeah, exactly. We had twins on actually about a, two months ago that started a shoe company, Twin uh, Women. Nice. Uh, and they're crushing it as well. But you know what? I mean, uh, I, could tell, I, I, I could tell how you got to this point. Uh, you know, you backed into this passion, but you started by hustling. Sure, you used some things to your advantage, uh, like the fact that you were in, um, you were already doing photography and had a lot of relationships with these small businesses. But still, you didn't care. You, you know, you, you, that was a great story about the, uh, the Blue Moon Ball. You just created samples and went door to door and you came up with this pitch to make it sound compelling because you were trying to create a story around it. And of course, closing that many accounts in one day was um, no small feat. Not only was it because of the quality of the product that you were creating, but also because you guys are just hustlers. And that's why I'm not surprised that you were able getting in the cars and driving to the Whole Foods and now are figuring out how to get into these huge uh, distributors. It's the same thing at a different scale. Um, and I'm confident you're going to do really well. Thank you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's the same thing at a much bigger scale. And for any entrepreneur out there, I really recommend starting small and starting the way we started because, like, if you start big with a ton of money, it's very easy to make very big mistakes. Like, we made mistakes, but they weren't big because we didn't have a lot of money. Um, and I, I can't even imagine what mistakes we would have made if we started big. Yeah. Like we, we might've built out our own production facility and be like, why'd we do that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's, you know, um, so definitely passion and grind are like two of the most important things and a good product, you, yeah. you know, I love that man. And, and absolutely true. Uh, I, uh, work actually at NYU as well, where I invest in founders who are starting companies, mostly students, right grad on. students. And so many of them think the first thing that they need to do is raise money. Uh, but I actually wrote an article recently on Goldcast just exactly about what you said, which is it's better to start with no money because then you just have to figure things out as you go along and you're going to learn the business way better that way. You don't want to burn through cash and then find yourself with nothing, essentially. Exactly. Right? And I mean, yeah, if you get investors' money in and you and you do the wrong shit with it, it's going to be hard to have people trust you again and want to keep investing in you. So, Might as well do it yourself. It's almost less risky that way. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, if you lose your own money, oh, well, go back to your other job and keep on grinding at that or, or start something else. I mean, you know, no matter what age you are, I think you're never too old to start a passion and something you love. And if you have a passion for it, and like I said, it's got to be a good product, or at least you have to believe it's a good product you're probably going to do pretty well with it if you're willing to work hard enough. That last caveat is important. You have to be willing to work hard enough. You have to be willing to do the stuff that feels uncomfortable, the stuff that other people don't want to do to succeed. Absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how much I hate it, like putting myself out on Instagram. Now I do it every day. Now it's just normal. Or how much I hate it being on phone calls and like, I mean, photography set me up a little bit because I dealt with a lot of rejection from portfolio meetings and stuff with photography. But still, I hated rejection, man. And like with this company, rejection's a lot bigger than like a small like little mom and pop saying no. Like you can be getting rejected by large retail accounts, but it's like now it's like your rejection just means that I'm going to work harder and I'm going to keep coming at you because I always say there's three doors to get in. You know, you got your first door, which is just waiting in line with everybody else your second door you could stand there but 
most of that's your celebrities and your people that have a way in. And your third door is just hustle and grit and just keep going after it. Keep going after it. I love it. Adam Jones of Peloton with your new Cascara Tea product. Thanks a lot for joining us on the Mentors Podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Rock on. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, guys. After recording this episode, I decided to check in on Peloton's Instagram page uh, just to see how Adam and his brother were doing because I knew that they had some important meetings coming up. And I saw in their Instagram stories that they actually ended up going to Walmart and pitching their product and closing a deal to distribute at Walmart, which is obviously really exciting and awesome that they were able to kind of take their style uh, and present it to Walmart and really communicate the vision that they see with the product that they're creating. So there you go. Quick update on one of the companies that was on our show 